The views and opinions expressed within this podcast do not necessarily reflect those of the staff, management, advertising partners, or ownership of Forever Communications. It's time for the Tri-State Sports Podcast, presented by Jerry Ward Autoplex and the Hawks Nest. Now, here are your hosts, John Thornton and Jordan Taylor. And it is the Tri-State Sports Program, presented by the Hawks Nest and Jerry Ward Autoplex on RadioNWTN.com and Froggy 99.3 Facebook Live later this week on WENK, bright and early on your Monday morning, John Thornton, Jordan Taylor, as usual, and we're thrilled to be joined by our old friend of the show, our good friend Davis Gregory, sports director over at WUTM 90.3, The Hawk, and he is live from his bedroom at the apartment that we share, flexing the NCAA tournament banner from what, the, the tennis tournament of what year were you uh, telling I, I don't know what year it is, but just know it was borrowed permanently. That borrowed is, permanently. That is that is the word that I got from a certain family member. I couldn't, tell, not, I couldn't tell if he was in his bedroom or at a location for March Madness. It was kind of hard to, to tell. <laughs> I'm already trying to find the spot where UT Martin might go. That's what we're doing. Uh, Davis <laughs> Gregory know. is a closet member of the NCAA tournament selection committee. <laughs> yes. Things, Every things year. that you find out. Every year you see like one vote for UT Martin and just real low <laughs> down on the list. That, that's my vote. That's you. Yeah. Gotcha. Well, we're thrilled to have you guys join us. We're thrilled to have Davis with us today. We'll take care of our housekeeping items before we get jump into the local headlines to start off the show. You can reach me on Twitter at John underscore MT18. You can reach Jordan at JT underscore 1823. You can tweet at the Froggy handle at NWTN underscore Froggy. You can text us on our text line at 731-885-9999. Davis, for some reason, I forgot to put your Twitter handle on here, so can you tell the audience what your Twitter handle is? Yes, for all your UTM sports content, Davis yes. Gregory 2 at Davis Gregory 2 on the Twitter bird. Yes, and uh, you will be hard-pressed to find someone with a mean game that is better <laughs> Than Mr. Davis Gregory. Um, it, it just, just go. All I'm going to suggest for you, ladies and gentlemen, just go check out the feed. It, it is. Uh, you got to. You got to. You got to look at it. <laughs> it is quite, quite impressive. Well, let's start with the local headlines of the week, as we have begun doing here lately. Tennessee football was back in the news. They are not really in season anymore. Obviously, really just workouts and recruiting going on. But Josh Heupel and Danny White both getting their bags and justifiably so Josh Heupel gets a raise now making nine million annually and he's extended through 2029 Danny White gets a contact contract extension which pays him 2.2 million annually for the next six years but also on the recruiting and transfer portal trail Jordan we've got former Ole Miss defensive back Davison Igbenosan I don't even know how you say that but uh, the word out there, it looks like leaning heavily toward transferring to the Vols. No official announcement yet, but uh, perhaps sometime this week. So plenty of uh, Tennessee football news there, Jordan. Yeah, I mean, obviously, I think Josh Heupel deserved to uh, to be to get get a raise uh, after the, just the year he had this past year. Um, and I mean, he had to make more than Mark Stoops and Lane Kiffin. I mean, we got to if those two guys are going to make that kind of money, then Josh Heupel deserves it just based off what he was able to do and. Same thing with Danny White. Obviously, um, happy for him. I know a lot of people were saying probably could have made a little bit more. Probably could have got a higher raise, but you got to kind of leave some room to give him another raise when when other people start coming uh, after him for what he's been able to do with all of the Tennessee athletics and the programs that uh, they have going on. And then, of course, the DB you mentioned. Um, actually, I saw somebody that was trying to look up the names of people enrolled at the school. It looked like he was already enrolled, but there's been no uh, official announcement, so it's kind of hard to, to call it that. But 
definitely looks to be uh, coming to Tennessee and obviously a, a position that they need some help with for sure. Davis, your thoughts on any of that? I mean, I think I heard somewhere, I don't know who I was talking to, but they were like, oh, you know, my biggest fear is Hype will maybe go into a bigger or go into another school. I'm like, he's already at a big school. You know, he's not at a stepping stone school. He is at a premier college football program. He doesn't really need to go anywhere else. Tennessee fans are getting tattoos of his face on their thighs. I mean, this man is deserving of every single cent that he's getting right now. Yeah, you mentioned the other names, Jordan, that uh, Josh Heupel now making more money than. And, and the thought was, uh, and I didn't even know this until I saw I saw this reading an article about it last week, Eli Drinkwitz last offseason got a raise up to $6 million. Um, and, and Drinkwitz has been a picture of mediocrity at Missouri. So, you know, it, it justifiably so, Josh Heupel's probably thinking, hey, I just took you guys to your best bowl game and your best season in almost 20 years. You got to pay me more than this dude that I've bludgeoned the two years we played. I mean, yeah. At the end of at, at the end of last year, I don't remember what their record was, but it was it was pretty pretty mediocre. It might have been six and six, seven and five, something like that. Uh, but I remember it being a headline on Sports Center that he got a raise, and I was thinking, if this is a headline, then they're trying to make somebody laugh, and, and that's exactly what they were trying to do. And um, I didn't quite understand, but maybe that's the best Missouri can do. Maybe that's what we're figuring out here. He is 17 and 19 in three seasons as a head coach at Missouri. These are the records. The 2020 COVID year, five and five. 2021, six and seven. 2022, six and seven. He is literally, you look up mediocre college football coach in the dictionary. That is Eli Drinkwitz. And he lost to Brian Harson. So and he did lose to Brian Harson, as Davis, you would know all about. Should have won, but he didn't. So <laughs> Because your fat kicker can't make an extra point kick. That way. Oh my <laughs> uh, moving on to the Grizzlies, who are trying to kind of right the ship after a disastrous West Coast trip. They lost five games in a row at one point over the last couple of weeks, uh, but they did bounce back yesterday with a 112-100 win over the Pacers at home. Stephen Adams now set to miss three to five weeks with a PCL injury, so uh, I know we haven't really talked a lot of NBA, but any thoughts on the Grizzlies' recent skid and what, what's kind of gotten gone wrong with them lately? Davis? I think they've gotten in their own heads. And, John, I've talked to you, and I've talked to a couple Grizzlies fans right now who just really aren't happy with the team and the amount of smack they're talking and how they've gotten a big head and everything. And I don't blame you all for right now because, I mean, what have the Grizzlies done? Okay, they yep. made it to the second round last year in the playoffs. It, other than that, they haven't done really anything else. So Memphis, again, a great team right now. It's basketball. You're going to go on losing streaks. You're going to go on winning streaks. This is a good team. But I think they were in their head a little bit after Shannon Sharp. Or was it Shannon Sharp? <laughs> Who knows? <laughs> but the good news is they did bounce back. I'm like, you know, Davis is a – as a Grizzlies fan, obviously, I, I have told you and others, I'm with you. Look, I mean, the smack talk's great if you can back it up, and most of the time they do, but uh, when you're losing five in a row, you better keep your mouth shut and, and win some games before you can really uh, really talk anymore. Uh, Tennessee basketball, though, they had a good weekend. They defeated Texas over the weekend in the SEC Big 12 Challenge, one of only three SEC wins in that over the weekend, not a good weekend for the SEC and the SEC Big 12 Challenge. But the, the Vols, no AP poll has come out yet, but you would presume perhaps a top three team, top four 
when the new poll comes out today, Joe Lenardi had them as a number two seed last weekend. And, you know, we, we've talked about this before, Jordan. I mean, the team can defend under Rick Barnes, but offensively they've got to get better. And, and they've been good in really good games, but then they've kind of gone on the road sometimes and it's been hit or miss. Yeah, their defense is going to keep them in every game, it looks like. But it's just the inconsistency on the offensive side of the ball and they can't figure out exactly who they want to go to at certain points of the game. Um, and you can really tell that. I know going into the game against Texas, a lot of talk was that the winner of that game would be looked at as possibly a one seed just based off resume as far as right now. thought that was a stretch for Texas. I could kind of believe that for Tennessee, um, but I wouldn't be surprised to see the balls as a projected number one just based off the weekend they had. Yeah, really going well right now. And, you know, I feel like it's gone really quiet. You know, we had the, the Admiral and, and – and Grant run wherever, you know, there's so much hype behind the program. But right now it just kind of feels like it's ho-hum. You know, no one's really kind of just blowing up about it. But I think with game day being there, that made a difference. But I think yep. before, before that, I mean, there wasn't a whole lot of – there wasn't a whole lot of people talking about them yet. Um, but we're, you know, fixing to flip the calendar of February, and that's when things get serious, moving closer to March Madness, which is, of course, the tournament we all enjoy. Yes. Oh, indeed. And it will be you – know, it should be another – Fun tournament of that. Uh, in baseball news, local fandoms here, Cardinals and Braves. Uh, Davis, you'll have more insight on this as well as Chip Correy is leaving the Braves TV broadcast booth and will replace Dan McLaughlin in St. Louis. If you haven't followed that, Dan McLaughlin and the Cardinals parted ways after McLaughlin was arrested for a DUI. He's had some drinking problems in the past. Uh, Correy's grandfather, Harry, was a former legendary Cardinals broadcaster, so what are Cardinals fans getting in Chip Correy Davis? Uh, well, um, so I love Chip. I love Chip. Chip is a great broadcaster. He can kill the big moments. Cardinals fans are going to love this guy. Bottom of the ninth, Arnado up, and he sends one into left field. You're going to get an all-time call every single time. The issue that I've heard from a lot of Braves fans is that sometimes – he doesn't really like the modern day style of baseball. And he might throw in some, you know, like, what the heck are you even talking about comments in there? And the Braves had a color analyst this season, Brian Jordan, who used to play for the Braves, actually was pretty decent, played with Chipper. But he, you know, <laughs> obviously I don't want to be too critical, but – I, watching the games at night after I get off work in the summer and sitting there and hearing Brian Jordan just make really nonsense talk. That was that was really bad. And then and Chip would just let him go too. But Chip is a great broadcaster, and I'll miss him for the big plays. But I think Braves fans are they're kind of fifty fifty here. They're going to miss him on those big moments, but also they want to bring in Ben Ingram, the brave the voice of the Braves for the radio side, and they want to uh -huh. bring him in for the TV announcer. I think that'd be great. I've listened to. Been a couple times. He is incredible. Hmm. That'll be an interesting move, but cool to see that connection there. And now, Davis, I know you said last night you were very excited to talk about this. Definitely wanted to touch on this. UT Martin basketball, let's get into that. The UT Martin women sit tied for the fourth in the fourth spot in the OVC with SIUE, five and five and eight and twelve overall, despite all the injuries. And then the men are red hot. Winners of four straight, including three of those at home. They're now tied with Moorhead State in southeast Missouri for the OVC lead after a dramatic win over University of Southern Indiana over the weekend. Davis, you've had a front row seat to this team for a lot of the last month or so. 
Tell us about it. What do fans? What are fans need needing to go watch with this team right now? Well, first, I want to start off with the women because I think everyone is going to look at oh, the men. Look at them, fifteen and eight, seven and three in conference, tied for first. We need to go see them. You need to go see the women play as well. Coach Kevin McMillan, his coaching staff, Maddie Waldrop, Garner Small, the rest of the assistants as well. They are managing a team that is putting out about seven dressed players a night. And on Saturday, it was six and a half. Paige Pipkin finally coming back from her injury after missing, I think it was about eight games from what I heard. And don't know the exact number there, but Paige, you all know. I mean, she was dealing with ACL injuries while y'all were still in school. And so to see her come back, and even though she was on a minutes restriction, coming back, hitting a three, hitting some free throws, that was huge. And this team, they're laying it all out there every single night. You got Josie's story, Shay Littleford. She was out Saturday. So was Anaya Brown. But Sagan Robbins. Big day for her. Sagan, right, Sagan for the past two years, I think three years she's been with the program, more of a facilitator. And then back in the OVC tournament last year against SIUE, went off, knocking down a ton of threes and helping UT Martin come back from 20-plus down in that game, almost winning. And then she puts up 30 in a performance like this. This team is so much fun to watch because – they are gritty. They're going to leave everything they've got out there on the floor because that's what Coach McMillan expects of them. You guys know this. I mean, Coach McMillan expects them to go out there and leave everything on the floor. They are putting on a show right now. They're really fun to watch. And then tell us about the men. Obviously, you know, I told you Saturday at the game, probably the best team I've watched since the the team Jordan and I got to watch our freshman year. I mean, it, it has been a long time since your team has been this good in men's basketball. Absolutely. And the second reason why people need to come to the Elam Center, this men's basketball team, 12-1 and one at home. 12-1. and one. Going into Saturday, they're off to their best OVC start since 2014-15. Wow. And in OVC play. And this team is – they're incredible, the depth that they have. I think that's the major key this year. And also, you brought back returners. That you, That's pretty rare for a UT Martin team to do is bring back returning players. And Coach Ritter able to get K.J. Simon to come back, who originally was going to test the draft waters. He brings in Parker Stewart as well. And then the big guy this year, Jordan Sears. Yeah, He has been incredible for this team and such a – Calm, cool, confident point guard that can pull up from mid-range, finish at the bucket, hit threes. Jordan Sears has got the whole package, can play defense as well. You've got guys like Desmond Williams and then the front court. Chris Nix, Josh Endicott, those guys are out there and battling on the block against some 6'11 players and putting up double-doubles, putting up double figures and points. This team right now, it is probably the most – deep and probably the most talented team UT Martin has had in probably since the, since the millennium started. And this team <laughs> is incredible. The depth that they have, the star players, KJ Simon, Jordan Sears, uh, KK Curry. I can't believe I forgot KK. Yep. Right? This guy's going out there 13 and nine, you know, 10 and 12 playing great basketball and shooting some of the best field goal percentage numbers in the conference this team deserve both teams deserve people in the seats right now. They're playing fantastic basketball. 
definitely go out and watch them and check them out. Uh, they're about to go out, be on a three-game road trip before they come back to the Elam Center. But, you know, it's been a long time since a UT Martin team, a men's team, has been in contention to win the regular season title, let alone the tournament title. So uh, definitely, if you're in the area, go out and support them. A couple of uh, high school football headlines from over the weekend. High school or Hall of Fame offensive lineman from the NFL, Kevin Mawe, who played for the Titans and the Ravens, I think both of those at one point, has been named the new head coach at Lipscomb Academy, who is replaced and will replace Trent Dilfer. And to tell you who else they interviewed, Jason Witten and John Kitna. I mean, Jordan, is this school going to be like the NFL coaching you? I mean, like, are we going to bring back former NFL players to be our head coach over there? Because, I mean, it just seems like that's that's the goal. They must have so much money at that school right now. They do. It, that's uh, They have deep pockets there. That's, they're able to uh, bring in who they want to to play, and that's a – I think that's a big factor when you're hiring a coach is you say, hey, we can go get whoever you want to go get. And then you name, you know, you got to you got to have a big name leading the program to be able to go get some of those players as well. So uh, it's kind of uh, unfair that what Lipscomb Academy can, can do and how they can recruit, especially with uh, the division they're in. Obviously, that's kind of unfair. They'll be there every year. Um, but, yeah, I think this is going to turn into that for sure. And I want to shout out Henry County. Quarterback Ryan Dameron, who is perhaps going to get a walk-on deal at Tennessee. So congratulations if he gets that. Before we wrap up the segment, I want to congratulate Union University girls basketball coach Mark Campbell became the fastest coach at any level of college basketball to reach 700 wins, did it in 811 games, has won 86% of his games as of last week. Jordan, an incredible achievement. I mean, you you play 811 games and you win 700 of them. That's uh, that's – that's pretty strong, and obviously being the, the fastest coach to get there at any level in, in uh, college basketball is being right there in Jackson at Union. That's pretty impressive. He's um, he's I've heard he's had some opportunities to make some some moves, but he's decided to stay there at Union. Obviously, a really good coach, Davis. It doesn't matter which uh, level it is. If you can win seven hundred ball games out of eight hundred level eight hundred eleven, you're doing a pretty good job. No, oh, I mean you're dominating <laughs> in that level, and. and Mark Campbell, he's good. His phone's going to be buzzing off the hook. Hey, look who, uh, look who's trying to get your attention oh there. My yes, our old friend Dylan Ingram, uh, giving Davis a little shout out there in the comments. Let's take a break. We'll come back, get to national headlines on the other side of the break, right here on the Tri State Sports Program, presented by the Hawks Nest and Jerry Ward Autoplex. For your next car or truck, come see Jerry Ward Autoplex in Union City. Jerry Ward and his all star team have a lot filled with pre owned small, mid sized, and full sized cars, SUVs, and nice trucks, too. And if they don't have the right size, they'll find it for you. No matter what you're looking for, score your next ride at Jerry Ward Autoplex, Real Foot Avenue in Union City, or online at Jerry Ward. WardAutoplex.com. Like Jerry always says, don't dream it, drive it. Be a winner with Jerry Ward Autoplex in Union City. Segment two on the Tri-State Sports Program presented by the Hawks Nest and Jerry Ward Autoplex as we transition into national headlines later on in the show. We'll talk some high school sports, primarily high school basketball, and of course recap the NFL Conference Championship games from over the weekend. So appreciate you guys tuning in with us here today. Davis, we've been talking about these coaching searches in the NFL for a while, and they just continue to seem to pile up the interviews. However, last week, we did have an official hire take place. We'll start there. Carolina has named former Colts head coach Frank Reich as their new head coach. He actually played for the Panthers in 1995 as the team's first quarterback. 
and threw the first touchdown pass in team history. Reich has a ton of connections in North Carolina, uh, most recently, or well, among which he attended seminary in Charlotte after his playing career, still has an offseason home out there. One of his daughters recently started working in the Panthers marketing department, and his brother just finished his 22nd season as the head coach at Wingate University. Now, interim head coach Steve Wilkes thought he had the inside shot at the job after uh, he led a pretty good interim campaign toward the back half of last year, so there's talk he may file a lawsuit. So, gentlemen, thoughts on this uh, Panthers hire, Frank Wright getting another shot after getting fired midseason by Indianapolis. I'll let Davis take this one, too. Uh, so, the Panthers, I I don't know what they're doing, honestly. Ever since – honest, and I'm not just saying this just because you guys know I'm a Cam fan and everything like that, but ever since Cam left, it seemed that that franchise has just gone downhill. And I think Steve Wilkes has got a reason to be upset. I mean, he had a pretty good campaign, like you said, John, with Carolina towards the end of the season. Dante Foreman coming in and being a pretty good lead back for the Panthers after they traded Christian McCaffrey. So I can see why he's upset. And Frank Reich, sure, he's a great coach. You have the history behind it. His family's there. But I mean, how much of an improvement do we expect him to make in Carolina if he couldn't get the job done in Indy? Yeah, I, I kind of my initial reaction was a uh, okay, you know, kind of. I mean, I didn't. It, it's not a to me. It didn't sound like a home run or or a big splash hire, Jordan. It just kind of seemed like a, you know, hey, this is a guy who's been a head coach before. He had some moderate success in Indy before the bottom fell out, and. You know, maybe he can be the guy that writes the ship. He's a good offensive mind. But, I mean, I'm I'm like you, Davis. I don't know that this is really going to move the needle. I don't think you're talking about a guy. I mean, granted, their division is horrific. So, I mean, if they want to be mediocre, mediocre can probably win you that division right now. But, I mean, I don't think you're going to see Carolina become some power in the NFC. I think you just know, John, that you won't be able to accept it if he's better at Carolina than he was at Indy. I mean, I think that's what it is. Look, I don't think this guy's a great coach. I really don't. But it's kind of similar to the Indy situation. I mean, he's in a very bad division. So, will he have an opportunity to to win the division? Yes. Carolina's got, you know, pieces. I mean, they, they can be decent. Um, but I don't really understand the, the Steve Wilkes saying he might file a lawsuit because he didn't get the job. I I don't understand where we're getting to at, the, at this point uh, with these coaching hires. It seems like that continues to come up year in and year out uh, with people that just don't get a job and they say, okay, because I didn't get it, I'm going to go, um, you know, start something, <laughs> file a lawsuit. Uh, yeah. it, it just doesn't make much sense to me. It looked like Frank Wright obviously had the the inside scoop there to be able to get the job. I mean, he's got all the connections. You read them all off. Uh, he obviously played there as well. So I um, think he can do decent there. Maybe a little bit better than he did in Indy, but I don't expect them to uh, go in, you know, go make the Super Bowl five out of the next 10 years or something like that. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So, Davis, four more openings left on the board here Indianapolis, Arizona, Denver, and Houston. If you are one of these, it feels like a million candidates that keep getting thrown out. What, which of these do you want? We've kind of asked everybody this. Oh, my goodness. Uh, for me, just scrolling down quickly here and looking at those teams, Indianapolis. Indy is a football town. You know, they've got basketball's huge again with the Pacers. But, again, 
the house that Peyton built. You have a very passionate fan base. The Titans have run that division. Jacksonville's starting to look like a really good team as well. If you're wanting to go in and get into a competitive division and make a name for yourself as a great head coach, I think Indianapolis is the place to go. Yeah, we'll see. Indy, hopefully we'll not hire Jeff Saturday or draft Will Levis because then we might as well burn the whole franchise if that happens. Cool. So uh, I'm, of course, preparing accordingly. Uh, moving on throughout the rest of the NFL, last week there, Aaron Rodgers' name continues to be in the headlines, and Adam Schefter came out and said that the Packers prefer to move forward without Rodgers. Now, he is on the books for $60 million in 2023, so if Green Bay trades him – Jordan, it's going to have some difficulty because someone's either going to have to split that salary, they're going to have to eat some of it because that is a ton of cash to try to move around. Yeah, I think that at that point they would be knowing that they're going to lose out on the deal and that they're going to be uh, behind a couple of years if they get rid of him. Um, but if they really want to move forward without him, they're, they're going to have to pull the trigger. And honestly, at this point, I think they do. I think it's time. Um, I don't know that I buy that his talk about being able to go and still win a couple of MVPs and yeah. the Super Bowl and all, I don't know if I buy that. I mean, the situation, I mean, he said the situation has to be right. Anybody can say that, Rogers. I mean, if the situation was right, maybe I could win an MVP. I mean, come on now. Um, but I, I don't think that, I don't think that he's in that position anymore. I still think he adds value similar to Brady. I think that both of those guys can still add value to your team and help you win games, but they're not going to be able to do what they've done in the past and put teams on their back, similar to what Mahomes did last night late. Davis? Yeah, on that? I mean, I have no idea what the Packers are trying to do. I mean, at one point in time, it was Aaron Rodgers wants to leave. No, we want you to stay. And then now he's staying. Like, no, we want you to leave. I, <laughs> I, I think Aaron Rodgers is a. I think Aaron Rodgers is still a very talented quarterback yes. in, in the league. And anyone, you, if someone tells you that they don't want Aaron Rodgers on their team, they're lying. Darren Rodgers is still a great quarterback and can lead you in a deep run in the playoffs. But Green Bay, I mean, let's be honest here, guys. They have no one to blame but themselves. They yep. have continued to not put around enough talent around Aaron Rodgers to go deep in the playoffs and help him make a run back to the Super Bowl. They have no one to blame but themselves here. And I agree with Jordan. I think they move on. I think they're finally just done with it all and – They'll move him somewhere else, but it's going to be weird to see Aaron Rodgers not in a Green Bay Packers uniform. Yes. It'll certainly be very weird, but and this is where I, you know, what do you, what do they expect to get for for Aaron Rodgers in return? Because you know, Jordan, you hinted that you're probably going to have to take a loss on the trade because I mean, sixty million dollars for a quarterback who's in his late thirties, about to be forty, and it's going to be hard to move. So. That's going to be the interesting factor. Who is willing to make that move? Now, the Jets have been named out there as well as some others. Um, it'll be interesting to watch this unfold in the offseason. Davis, this one we, we briefly talked about last night. Uh, Kellen Moore parted ways with the Cowboys as their offensive coordinator, but is expected to turn around and interview for the Chargers job. Mike McCarthy apparently is going to be the new play caller in Dallas. So, Davis, you have been very vocal with your Chargers, that Joe Lombardi needed to go. Gone is Joe Lombardi. Kellen Moore is the replacement. Yes or no? 
I love it. If Kellen Moore is the replacement for Joe Lombardi, that's great. If if Kellen Moore calls one deep pass down the field <laughs> next season, it's better than anything Joe Lombardi ever did. He made Justin Herbert, a guy who has top five arm talent and accuracy in the NFL, look like Alex Smith with the amount of <laughs> checkdowns he threw to Austin Eckler this year. I think Kellen Moore is great. And, again, I talked about it on the bench on uh, this past Thursday about Dak. The Cowboys have got to move on from Dak. He's not that guy. And Kellen Moore, if he goes to L.A., he's going to get to coach one of the best quarterbacks in the league, and people are going to start to see the talent that Justin Herbert and the Chargers have. Yeah. Jordan, any comment on that? I I agree. I mean, I think Kellen Moore, no matter where he goes, is going to be able to do better. I think there's a curse in Dallas. I mean, you go there and it's like, hey, there's so much expectation um, and if you struggle just a little bit, then you're gone. I don't think Kellen Moore is the issue. I think they're just looking for reasons to yeah. start trying to blame somebody. Uh, but I think Davis has an argument the fact that a lot of it is Dak, and in the big moments, Dak shuts down. However, I don't think they can move on from him, one, because of the money, and, and two, because I don't think there's a whole lot of options out there that are much better, at least right now. Um, so I think that they'll have to keep him based off the contract that they paid him. The, the the Cowboys messed up when they paid Zeke and, and Dak. I mean, the yes. money they're paying them, that's that's what changed everything for them. Um, and, you know, I think Kellen Moore, going back to what we originally started talking about here, I think Kellen Moore can, can be really good, and I wouldn't be mad if, if the Titans reached out to him as well. Well, and this is, you know, a guy who's been mentioned in connection with head coaching gigs in the last couple of years. I mean, people, clearly he's well thought of. Hey, let me just say this. If they want to blame people, they can go ahead and, and uh, blame Dan Quinn, and he can come over to the Titans. We'll take him as well as the defense coordinator. Um, if you want to get both your coordinators, I am totally okay with that. I have no issue with that. I mean, I'm Start fine with him game. coming to Indy. When the new hook co- we, fi- we hire a new coach that's not named Jeff Saturday, uh, I'm fine with yeah. Kellen Moore running my offense, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, in the NBA last week, and we, we didn't get a chance to touch on some of these from last week, so – couple things to mention. Trade deadline coming up on February 9th, so some trades are going to be happening. We had one last week. Steve Kerr is saying he wants to have a 72-game season, wants the league to cut down the season by 10 games. The Lakers did make a trade last week. They traded Kendrick Nunn and three second-round picks for Rui Hachimura from the Wizards. The NBA announced that the NBA All-Star Draft will air as a pregame segment before the game itself. I think that's a great idea. We'll talk to that. The all-star starters were announced last week in the East. It's Kyrie Irving, Donovan Mitchell, Jason Tatum, Giannis Antetokounmpo, and Kevin Durant in the West. Luka Doncic, Steph Curry, Zion Williamson, LeBron, and Nikola Jokic. And speaking of LeBron, my goodness, did he throw a hissy fit, little tantrum like a child after not getting getting a foul call in a loss to the Celtics. I'm sure Davis has a couple of words about that. And then the Pacers gave Miles Turner a two-year extension worth $60 million after being a long-rumored trade piece from Indiana. So, gentlemen, any thoughts on any of these items from the NBA in the last couple of weeks? Davis, take it away. Uh, You know which one I want to talk about. LeBron (laughs) LeBron is a near 40-year-old man and a father of three. 
And this dude went out there and looked like he was about to cry in front of millions of, on national television. This man looked like you just stole his favorite Lego piece from his Lego set when he was three years old. You're almost 40 years old and you're acting like a toddler. That was embarrassing. I get it. It was an awful call. Terrible call. The officiating all night was questionable. But let's be honest here. You're 40 years old. You can be upset, but you were almost in the fetal position in front of over, you know, how many people at TD Garden sits? Over 30,000 fans or whatever it is. And in front of millions of people watching the game, you were almost in the fetal position sobbing. And you still had a chance to go win the game. You had five more minutes to go win the game in overtime. And you sat there like a child and cried and didn't take advantage of the five minutes. I think the Laker fans, they're sitting here, oh, well, the officiating was terrible. Sure, that was a bad call at the end. You still had a chance to go win it at the end. And your star player acted like a baby and sobbed on the floor. I bring you great news, Lakers fans. Rui Hachimura is there to save the day, right, Jordan? Yeah, yeah, he's he's gonna he's gonna change some things for him. Uh, you know, the best thing about this, I wasn't watching the game, uh, but the best thing about this was the, the Patrick Beverly bringing the camera on the court. That was that was the best thing. I mean, he, he's bringing a camera out there to referee to show that he was fouled. And as Davis has already said, he was fouled. Uh, but that doesn't mean that you have to to act the way he did. And of course, they go to Twitter and post the last six or seven fouls they've missed. Um, but I'm sure there's a lot of other players in this league, Giannis, Embiid. Uh, let's see, uh, Jokic, I'm sure they could post 10 or 15 pictures as well where they've been hacked because they get hammered every time they go into the lane and try to score, uh, all of those guys as well. So, LeBron, if you want to still be looked at as one of the top guys and a role model that you say you are for the for the future of the, the league, um, I think you need to act a little bit better than that, whether or not you're fouled or not. Yeah. And if it was game seven of the NBA Finals, I could understand a little bit more, but not in a regular season game. Yeah. Yeah, obviously that kind of steals the show from the the NBA the past week. That was uh, that was quite something. In baseball, uh, Angels Angels owner Arte Marino no longer looking to sell the team. And then last week, Scott Rowland, the only player voted into the Baseball Hall of Fame after receiving seventy six point three percent of the vote. Fred McGriff gets in by the era committee and. Glad to see Scott Rowland got in. I grew up on, in the era of Jim Edmonds, Scott Rowland, and Albert Pujols, and I told our friend Mike Hutchins, uh, one of the funniest things I will always remember, my parents take me to my first Cardinals baseball game. Scott Rowland was the first jersey I got, and then the next morning at the hotel, I proceed to spill chocolate milk on it because I was six years old. I don't even know if we still have that jersey. Mom and Dad, if you're watching, I have no idea where that is. It's still <laughs> even around, but, I mean, funny story to remember, but Scott Rowland was a fun player to watch, obviously, as a Cardinal. Uh, I think he played it for the Reds for a while and some other guys. So congratulations to him. You got to do better than that, John. You got to do better than that. Look, man, I'm like six or seven years old. It doesn't matter. You wear your food sometimes. Yeah, that's true. I still do. So I get it. Yeah. So funny memory, but uh, obviously Scott Rowland was a, was a fun player to watch back in the day. College football had some headlines the last couple of weeks. Ed Reed is no longer set to be the head coach at Bethune-Cookman after some, uh, shall we say, behind closed doors wheeling and dealing, Jim Harbaugh, no longer flirting with the NFL, will head back to Michigan once again. Oklahoma State quarterback Spencer Sanders announced that he is transferring to Ole Miss, which is the second quarterback the Rebels have taken in this window. In a bit of a surprise move, Georgia wide receiver Adonai Mitchell is transferring to Texas 
after winning two national championships with the Bulldogs. And Texas, while that is closer to home, it's a big get for Sark, especially with, obviously, you've got Arch Manning waiting in the wings and Quinn Ewers, a top quarterback there. Deion Sanders makes a splash in recruiting, flips five-star defensive back Cormani McLean from Miami to Colorado, and then a couple of uh, odd and not good. Uh, LSU accidentally overpaying Brian Kelly by $1 million in 2022. I don't know how you do that. And then Stetson Bennett gets arrested on Sunday for charges of public intoxication. So, gentlemen, where do we want to start with unpacking the last couple of weeks of college football? There's a lot there. I mean, Stetson, obviously, I think you can start there. I was talking to my brother about this. He was obviously a Georgia fan, and um, supposedly he'd gotten so bad he was knocking on doors looking at, to visit some ladies. But if you've, won, if you've won two national championships in a row and you're still having the bag, that's uh, <laughs> and, and knocking on doors. I think that takes it to a whole different level for Stetson Bennett for sure. Uh, but if you look at, at Georgia's receiver leaving, I, I think, you know, it shocks a lot of people. And a lot of people say, well, it's closer to home. But when these guys leave home, they, they go to play. Uh, he knew what he was getting into when he went to Athens. He knew he was leaving home. But I also saw they had a, a young son that lived in Texas. So I think mm-hmm. that that may be part of it. Um, and you've already won two national championships, so why not go play with a Manning and see if he's as good as the other Mannings? I mean, we'll, we'll, I guess we'll find out here in, in a couple of years. Yeah. Davis, anything stick out from that group of headlines? Shoot, I wish someone accidentally paid me a million dollars. How do you accidentally pay someone a million dollars? I don't. It's a it's a way to give it, you know, come come to LSU, man. They're overpaying. <laughs> Let me give you a little bit of this right here. Overpaying, yes. yep. Yeah. Yeah, let, I think let's it's a way to get around the NIL stuff. Yep. Let's just overpay Brian Kelly. He'll give a little bit to the to the recruits, and we won't say anything about it. Yeah. In uh, college basketball over the week or over the last couple of weeks, Bronny James is reportedly down to three schools in his high highly talented recruitment: USC, Oregon, and Ohio State. Notre Dame head coach Brian, Mike Bray is set to retire at season's end. He is the all-time uh, top winner and Notre Dame history as a basketball coach. And then a bit of a sad story, legendary CBS college basketball analyst Billy Packer passed away at the age of 82, called 34 Final Fours in every single one from 1975 through 2008, which is when he retired. So sad there. And obviously uh, it was cool. I saw a clip when I was when I was reading into this. Uh, Jim Nance and he were apparently extremely close, and Jim Nance had some really cool things to say about him. So thoughts and prayers up to the Packer family as uh, they endure that loss. Let's take a break, gentlemen. We'll come back and into West Tennessee High School basketball on the other side on the Tri-State Sports Program presented by the Hawks Nest and Jerry Wood Autoplex. Are you looking for a place to sit back, relax, and support your favorite sports teams? It's the Hawks Nest Bar and Grill in Martin. On Mondays, $3 well shots and $1 90 light cans. Also, weekly cornhole tournaments with $10 blind draws, sign-ups at 6, and bags fly at 7. Titsy Tuesdays, trivia night, $2 well tequila shots, $2 90 cans, two-for-one well shots, and also $2 tacos. Wednesday, wing, Wednesday with 50 Cent Wings, karaoke on Thursday, and each and every weekend, live music. So be sure to stop by and support your favorite local bands at the Hawk's Nest at 105 Church Street in Martin. Segment three on the Tri-State Sports Program presented by the Hawk's Nest and Jerry Ward Autoplex. Before we proceed, I do want to say we, we, we clowned Dylan Ingram at the beginning for saying only hey to Davis. He did say hey to me and Jordan, so... All is well, I suppose. Yes, there it is. Oh, there it so, is. After he got called out, he he indeed uh, amended for his minor sin. So uh, good on him. 
Uh, let's start with the weekly, you know, Bayan County uh, records here in the area for high school basketball, uh, as we always do. The girls of Union City, 7 and 16. The boys, 6 and 17. Shout out to Amari Bonds, hit 2,000 career points last week and is now only the second Union City girls basketball player to do that. So congratulations to her. Westview's girls keep rolling on at 22 and 0. The boys sit 7 and 16. Dresden's girls sit 18 and 5 with the boys at 6 and 12. O'Brien Central girls at 8 and 10. The O'Brien boys I think are still 16 and 2. I need to double check on that record. South Fulton girls are 15 and 6. The boys 8 and 10. Gleason's girls 14 and 9. The boys 1 and 22. The girls for Greenfield 10 and 12. The boys at 11 and 10. Davis Gregory, you have got a chance to see a lot of Westview basketball so far this winter. Thoughts on the girls and the boys and what to make of them at this point in the season? Well, you know, for me in basketball, I mean, you guys know this too. Anyone who knows the sport, you might want to lose a couple before you get to postseason time because, again, you don't want to be too hot. You don't want to think, oh, well, we're undefeated. We don't want to lose just one game and whatnot. Now, are Westview fans going to be complaining that the team's undefeated and they're going to keep winning? No, not at all. But from a standpoint of you getting ready for postseason play, obviously the coach, they're going to want to win every single game that they play. But as a fan for – Westview, if you are, you probably want to see them maybe lose one or two games before they get into postseason play, just so that's not an extra added amount of stress upon them. But it, this girl's team is incredible. I thought the loss of Angelina Barr would hurt a whole lot for this team. But Julian Briggins and Mariana Chester have been fantastic in the front court for the Lady Chargers. And then Jada Harrison and McCall Sims have been playing well, too. Uh, the injury to Emma Simpson, that is going to hurt the Lady Chargers down the stretch. But I go back to someone that I talked about, I think on the first time that I was on the show, Kylie Alexander. She is really playing some fundamental good basketball. If you need her to get 16, she'll get 16. If you need her to get four, she'll get four. She's that type of player, and they are just steamrolling everyone. And it's going to make for fun postseason play. For the boys – it's been a struggle so far. Um, again, it's Coach Trevathan's first season. Guys are still getting used to the system, trying to figure that out as well. Uh, but got a very impressive win over O'Brien Central um, a couple weeks ago. So this team, the potential's there for them right now. Obviously, a uh, big game tomorrow night. You know, Westview girls and boys both playing the Union City girls and the boys. And Davis, you know, Big district game, especially on the boys' side, because, you know, the way the district's kind of formatted, you've got Gibson County and Milan, which are kind of sitting pretty at the top right now, duking it out for the district title, while Westview, Huntington, and Union City have kind of been the three stragglers at the back right now. And if you're those three teams, you're kind of vying for position so that you don't have to play in that play-in game, which makes tomorrow night's game at the horseshoe if the weather holds off and if the weather cooperates doesn't force it to move, but that makes that game, whenever it's played, all the more critical. It does. It's going to be a very important game for for both sides, and that gym's going to be rocking. It's going to be a great atmosphere. Of course, those two schools don't really like each other all too <laughs> yeah. much. It, it's going to be a very fun game and a lot on the line, too. You couldn't ask for much more there tomorrow night. No, Gibson, Gibson, County, Gibson County and Milan play tomorrow as well. Oh. So that'll, that'll be – 
boys and girls, of course. But the boys game obviously would have quite a bit. And I um, think Gibson County won the first round of that. Do you know yeah, where that yeah. is, Jordan? Is that at Milan or Gibson County? Gibson County tomorrow night. Oh, yeah. that means Gibson County went on the road. I listen, I got a I got a Gibson County massive Gibson County fan that you know my my, my grandfather goes to all the Gibson County games. He's been following them for years. He's lived there for years. Um, so he he keep, keeps me up to date. He actually went and watched the Westview Huntington girls game as well. So he kept me up to date on that. Uh, but Davis, I asked, I asked John Hatler this as well. If there's one weakness about the Westview girls team this year, what is it? What do you think it is? To me, I think, and I of course don't know what Hatler said. I hope I say yeah. something different, but yeah. <laughs> just to, just to help y'all out a little bit and listeners as well. I, for me, I think whenever Jade is off the floor and there starts to be a little bit more pressure put on the five on the floor out there. I think that is that could be where you see some issues. Also, McCall Sims in a little bit of a shooting slump right now. Of course, didn't see her play this past week, but she's been struggling a little bit, a little sophomore slump, but she's a fantastic shooter. But she's just drawing a whole lot more attention this year than last year because teams are recognizing her ability. But I, I think that one thing is if Jada gets subbed out, and she has to go rest, and Westview's trailing. They might be up by three. That is where you could see some issues possibly come up. Hmm. Interesting to see that unfold. Let's go to Michael Odom's West Tennessee rankings on the girls' side. Not much change at the top. Westview, Jackson, Southside, still the one and two is Southside number one, Westview two. Gibson County, number three, according to Mr. Odom, with South Gibson at number Four, Huntington is number five, McKenzie uh, six, Riverside seven, Dresden eight, Dyer County nine, TCA ten, Crockett County 11, South Fulton rounds out the top 12 on the bubble. He's got Dyersburg, Fayetteware, Peabody, and USJ, which, gentlemen, I, you know, we've all, I've seen Gibson County and Huntington both play. And watching them play, I would definitely say on paper, I would expect Huntington to beat Gibson County, but, you know, Papa Wilkins, I guess, has beaten his son twice now. Um, what do you – I mean, do you think it's just the, the mental thing, or what do you think it is, Jordan? I definitely think it's mental. And, again, I, I go back to my the conversations I've had with, with my granddad about that, and I think it's more that they don't believe they can um, beat, beat them, and, and Gibson County's been so good and, and beat them for so long that I think that's a lot of it. Um, you know, but I, I think Huntington, I mean, the post player they got – really, really good. And they yes. she gave Westview fits. She gave Gibson County fits, but everybody's kind of letting her get hers and then trying to, uh, trying to defend everybody else. But you know, Southside had a scare last week as well with South Gibson. They were only able to win that game by five. I believe they were trailing a lot of that game in Medina. And um, I think if Westview wouldn't have had the struggle win over Huntington, I think they probably would have jumped them in his rankings. Davis, any thoughts on these? Um, I mean, I think that, Jordan's right. A little bit of a closer game for Westview against Huntington than Charger fans probably would have liked. And it, I remember I was telling someone the other day because I was comparing the atmosphere at the Elam Center to a couple of the other games that I was able to call. And um, I think Southside Westview, it was during – it's probably about 2021, early parts of that. They were still within attendance restriction. And that gym was so loud. It was an incredible atmosphere. If those two teams play, it's going to be probably the game of the year. Yeah. Uh, too bad they're in different divisions now. That's the only yeah, – that, that, that would be an issue. 
Uh, on the boys' side, Middleton, 16-1. and one. They're the number one on Odom's rankings. Haywood, followed by Fayetteware, Dyersburg, Crockett County, Henry County, Dyer County, Gibson County, and Jackson Northside, Camden, Milan, and Sacred Heart. Any thoughts on that list there, gentlemen? I think just staying in our district, um, Gibson County. I mean, the, the, their team this year has been pretty solid. I think that's something to watch. And then uh, Crockett County as well. I mean, the the way they've turned that program around, um, you know, here recently and, and what they've been able to do there at Crockett County is pretty impressive as well. No doubt about that. Let's take a break. We'll come back. We'll get into conference championship weekend from the NFL. Stay tuned. More after this on the Tri-State Sports Program presented by the Hawks Nest and Jerry Ward Autoplex. For your next car or truck, come see Jerry Ward Autoplex in Union City. Jerry Ward and his all-star team have a lot filled with pre-owned small, mid-sized, and full-sized cars, SUVs, and nice trucks, too. And if they don't have the right size, they'll find it for you. No matter what you're looking for, score your next ride at Jerry Ward Autoplex. Real Foot Avenue in Union City or online at jerrywardautoplex.com. Like Jerry always says, don't dream it, drive it. Be a winner with Jerry Ward Autoplex in Union City. Segment four on the Tri-State Sports Program presented by the Hawks Nest and Jerry Ward Autoplex. Well, we have a Super Bowl officially set, Super Bowl 57 or 58. I, I, I'm getting lost in all the Roman numerals, but uh, the point is the Eagles and the Chiefs are the champions of the NFC and AFC, respectively winning their games in very different fashions yesterday, so we'll dive into those. Obviously, I think we're going to spend more time on the AFC game, so let us start there as the Chiefs knock off their newfound nemesis and the Cincinnati Bengals. 23 to 20. And, you know, we talked about it all week. Everybody in the media did. Patrick Mahomes on that ankle. How bad or how how much would it affect him? Well, you couldn't tell from a lot of the game that he was hurt. I mean, 326 yards, two touchdowns, obviously a crucial run to set up the first down for a field goal. There were times you could tell that ankle affected him and that he had some trouble kind of moving around, but that was what made, you know, Davis, you and I, our jaws kind of dropped when he threw that laser beam to Valdez Scantling for a touchdown to put them ahead in the, I guess, late in the third quarter. But, I mean, for a guy that looked hurt, I mean, what a performance for him and, and a big win for Kansas City. Yeah, massive win for the Chiefs, and I picked the Bengals in this game. I, did I thought they yeah. were going to roll in and get the win amidst all the trash talk. I still thought that they were going to come in and get the win because a high ankle sprain on the best quarterback in the league, you're probably saying that it's going Cincinnati's way. I'm still questioning a little bit. Of course, I'm not a doctor. I'm not even close to that. When I get this degree, I'm not taking another class for the rest of my life. But <laughs> I will say this. I, was How really bad was the ankle sprain? Yeah. Because he, y'all saw it. He's running around like he normally does and making the throws that he normally does too. I know the foot's hurt, not the arm. But still, he's out there playing like normal Patrick Mahomes. Sure, he had his limps, but how bad really is this ankle injury? Yeah, I think that they just have better stuff than we've ever seen when we sprain our ankles. So I think they uh, they have a little bit better go-go juice, as they would say, that they probably shot in that ankle. Um, he was banged up. I mean, you could tell he wasn't 100%. I mean, anybody knew that. But um, I, I think a lot of it was he already is is so 
he's not fundamentally the best looking quarterback when he throws the ball anyway. He doesn't really ever have his feet turned the right way. I mean, he always, you know, throws it sideways and sidearm. And so I just think it was another, another opportunity for him to do that because he already kind of does it anyway. Um, but, but coming into this game, it was a great game. Um, yeah. it, it was a really great game. And I think, you know, we talked about the last couple of weeks, John, that um, I think, you know, we expected it to be the Bengals and Chiefs and, I, I personally thought it would be the Chiefs just because of the revenge factor. And then especially leading up to this week, uh, I thought it was still going to be the Chiefs, even with, with Mahomes being hurt. And mainly because the Bengals uh, wouldn't shut up on Twitter and, and, and throughout <laughs> the media. And then, look, it, it's okay to do that. But the writing's on the wall when you do that. you got a good chance you're going to lose the game. Uh, I've, I've, we've been watching sports way too long. And a lot of times uh, the, the people that, that do that tend to – uh, either lose the game or come close to losing the game, one of the two. So, And I think it was a revenge thing because you're calling the stadium uh, Burrowhead Stadium. So I think that that definitely sunk in as well. But, look, the Chiefs didn't need all that either for motivation. They lost to the Bengals three times in a row coming into this game. Uh, it was time for Mahomes to get one, ankle or not. I mean, I know that that's what they pushed because that was going to be the excuse if they lost. Well, his ankle's hurt. That's why he's lost four times. Um, but – it was an excellent performance, a, a, a gritty performance by Mahomes. And towards the end there, he just he put the team on his back, and that's what good quarterbacks do. Well, and to your point, I mean, you know, they mentioned this on the broadcast, Nance and, and Romo did, that, you know, there was all the talk for, for weeks about the Bengals feel disrespected and the Bengals are playing with this chip on their shoulder. But, you know, last week, but well, granted partially because of how much, you know, crap that the Bengals were talking on social media and in the media – you know, Romo kind of talked about that chip kind of left the Bengals and went over to the Chiefs mm-hmm. because they're thinking, hey, we've been to two of the last three Super Bowls now. You can't you disrespect know. us. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, we, we've, we've done this before. <laughs> yeah. They beat us last year. Yeah. They've beaten us three times in a calendar year, but we're still a really freaking good team. Mm-hmm. And I think that's the other side of this that kind of gets overshadowed by how well Mahomes played was five sacks. And I mean, granted, that, that since the offensive line, Dave is banged up, but. Chris Jones really had a major effect on that game. Two sack, two of the five sacks were from him, and they made some huge plays uh, when, when they had to. Did uh, Kansas City's defense? I'll bring out the old Blaine McDonald phrase: "Defense wins championships." Chris Jones, the two sacks, huge. The way that defense played all night, and you really saw in this game, rather than that game against Buffalo. This offensive line, again, was playing without some of their major starters. And that's what it came down to, in my opinion. You can't keep your quarterback upright. You can't keep confidence in him. He's getting nervous in the pocket. And that's going to create issues. At some point in time, that was going to hurt him, either this round or in the Super Bowl, and it got him here. I think what's most impressive, guys, is is the fact that if you look at the weapons that the Chiefs have, there's not a whole lot of star-powered names out there. Obviously, you got Kelsey, and we understand that. But on the offensive side of the ball, um, you know, they they get rid of Tyreek Hill and everybody's saying, oh, they're going to go backwards. And I think that speaks volumes for what Mahomes has been able to do. And, look, I'm not the biggest Patrick Mahomes fan. I think he's a great quarterback, but I think you have to respect, um, you know, his game and what he's been able to do, especially uh, being banged up last night. But, I mean, we can't speak enough about the motivation. I know these guys are professionals. They don't need extra motivations. But you can't tell me they didn't hear all that all week. I mean, you could tell that by some of the quotes they were they were mentioning. That, oh, had, yeah. a big, that had a big factor in the game. And, um, I mean, that, I think that they, like John said, I mean, I think they felt disrespected. I mean, this is a team that's been at the top of the AFC. You had people last week 
talking about moving the Bengals above the Chiefs as the top team in the AFC, talking about moving Joe Burrow above Patty Mahomes as the best quarterback in the AFC possibly. So when you when you do that, I, I just think the script is being written for, for the other team, uh, especially when they're already got the motivation of losing to you three times in a row. It was just – it was just enough there for the Chiefs, and, and they were able to, to get it done last night. But there was some questionable calls, which I know you're going to get to. Yes, indeed. Well, and that was kind of the thing that gets overshadowed because, I mean, you're looking up with about 10 minutes to go. It's a tie game, and, you know, it's kind of both defenses are playing really well. Neither team, neither offense has really been able to drive the field and, and get ahead. And then the Bengals think they have a stop on a third and nine, and then – the, the officials basically come back and say, no, my bad. We made a boo-boo. Uh, the whist- We blew a whistle, but nobody heard it. And you have to go back to the replay camera to watch the official running on the field trying to stop the play. But, I mean, I, I just – it's such a weird thing. And, yeah, David, you and I uh, are full on the Tim Donahue. This is uh, – we, we know everything's rigged. You know, the, the curtain has been has been pulled. The NFL loves the Chiefs. And here we are. So. Jordan, but they did end up they did end up punting after that. So let's keep that in mind. Have you seen that documentary, Jordan? Yes, I have. I, it's, it's pretty wild. It's, it, pretty it's wild. insane. And so I mean, it's not wild. only do we can we assume you know the NBA's rig. Let's not play around and act <laughs> yeah. like the NFL's come clean on everything. They're crystal clear. We all know who they want in the championship. They want Patrick Mahomes because who sells the jerseys? Who's going to sell the tickets? Who's going to get the viewers? It's Patrick Mahomes versus the best team in the NFC. So we all know this, and I hate going and Burrow. Down the- and Burrow went last year, so they don't want to. Right? Go. Yeah, and I hate going down the road of oh, it's rigged. But after watching that documentary, if you all haven't seen it, again, there's some language in it. So just a little forewarning there. I forgot to tell my mom that, and then <laughs> she showed. Well, here's the thing: she's like. It, obviously, it doesn't bother her, but she showed it to my grandparents <laughs> and then did not oh, no. tell them that. And so I get a phone. I'm talking to her um, maybe a couple of days ago. She goes, you didn't tell me they were dropping F-bombs. And I was like, well, I just thought she'd assume that you know that. But and it, back to back to this. I, credit to Kansas City. They went. Yep. They got the win. But officiating down the stretch, we saw it in the NBA. We've seen it in the NFL we've got to start being a little bit more fair and clear on some of these calls. Yeah. And and so with the Chiefs winning the AFC for the third time in the last four years, that sets up a date with the Philadelphia Eagles who rolled past the 49ers in a 31-7 to romp. And, you know, it it just kind of was an unlucky day for San Francisco. I mean, you know, I mean – you know, we've had this whole fun story with Brock Purdy, and Brock Purdy's gotten them there, and they've been playing really well with him. And then, I mean, halfway through the first quarter, he's out with an elbow injury. And then, I mean, I even thought, I, you know, Davis and I are watching the game, and w- when you have that incident where it looked like Nick Bosa gets hurt and he's not even on the field, I'm thinking, I mean, good grief. How how unlucky, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> how unlucky can you get? And, and so, I mean, once – you know, once Brock Purdy went down, you're putting in Josh Johnson, your fourth quarterback of the season for the 49ers, and at some point your your quarterback luck is just going to run out. They only manage 11 first downs, 164 yards of, of offense. Now, great run by McCaffrey to get them on the board, but, you know, you, you kind of knew what was inevitable once Purdy went down. The Eagles did have to kind of grind it out because of a really good San Francisco defense, but three turnovers by the Niners were too much. 
So credit to the Eagles. They roll past the 49ers and uh, NFC champions, headed back to the Super Bowl for the first time since 2018. Yeah, I, I just think, again, what a day to have a bad day for the yeah. Niners and have some bad luck. I mean, the NFC championship, you got Josh Johnson going in the game who's played for uh, every team in, in the country. Um, he's played for just about every NFL team there is to play for, yeah. XFL uh, as well. So I know he's, he's played for the, for at least one team there. But, um, I mean, you have to roll him out there. And, 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 you know, he's he's very nervous having to come into the game in the NFC Championship. And then when he gets hurt, you go back to Purdy, but you can't throw the ball, and everybody knows it. Us at home watching, the team you're playing knows it. Um, the coaches obviously know it. So it's just – it was a it was a really tough situation for San Fran, and I kind of hate that it happened because I wanted to see a, an epic game. I wanted it to come down to the to the last possession, similar to what we saw last night, um, late last night with the Chiefs and the Eagles, so or the Chiefs and the Bengals. Um, so I think it's gonna gonna set up to be a, a fun Super Bowl. I just wish that uh, that the Forty ers would have been at full strength because I, I really think that would have been a really really good game. Davis, yeah, I, I agree. I think. <laughs> Everything that could have gone wrong went wrong for San Francisco, <laughs> yes. from penalties to Purdy going down to Bosa looking like he's hurt, and Philadelphia just destroyed them. And San Francisco, with a great defense still, again, you've got to have some offense too. And like Jordan said, everyone knew that they were going to run the football. Purdy's arm was too hurt. And even the way that you saw when his elbow got hit and then went forward – you kind of had a feeling – I don't know what the diagnosis is, but you kind of had a feeling he was not going to be able to come back in the game at, at full strength. So, yeah. you know, Davis, you and I kind of, you know, jokingly but also halfway serious, and I t- mentioned this to Jordan earlier, I mean, do you think they would have been better off running Wildcat with McCaffrey and, and Samuel, I mean, instead of rolling out Josh Johnson? Maybe they get three more points just because the Eagles haven't maybe prepared for that. But – Jawan Jennings, at quarterback. Yeah, they could have maybe done that, but I just I don't know if that would have made the game more competitive. They might have put up three more points, but still, I think the Eagles roll past them. Yeah, yeah. So I still think the Eagles would have won the game. But I think it would have been a, a more competitive game. So with that, we have our Super Bowl with a lot of different angles to look at this it'll be the 13th time the number one seeds from both conference have made the super bowl in the eagles and the chiefs you've got the duel of brothers jason for the eagle for jason kelsey for the eagles and travis kelsey for the chiefs you've got the andy reed bowl reed's former team against his current team patrick mahomes heading to his third super bowl in four years with the most playoff wins in nfl history before age 28 and the youngest to make his third super bowl trip but now, or you've got the Eagles opening up as two-point favorites. So, gentlemen, what do you make of the matchup? How do you think this this looks on paper? We've got two weeks to talk about this one as we get ready for the Super Bowl. It, it actually opened up right after the game last night as a pick and everybody yep. was so high on the Eagles that it jumped up uh, right away. And, I mean, I, I think the Eagles probably are going to be favored uh, right before kickoff, but I don't expect it to be much more than where it is right now at two points. I mean, I think it's a point or two. Um, but like you said, 13th time, the number one seed from both conferences made it. I think this is the first time in five years that it's happened. So the last time was the Eagles and the Patriots. Yeah. Yeah, Yeah. I think it's been, I think it's been about five years or so, four or five years. So it'll be, um, it'll be a fun game. I think these are obviously two of the best teams all year. So, I mean, that's, that's kind of what you want towards the end of the year is to, to have some of your best teams going at it. And that's usually how it works out. And, 
Um, I think it's really interesting, interesting the fact that Andy Reid, um, you know, drafted some of those guys that are on the Eagles, and he's and including Jason Kelsey. So uh, it's going to be really cool for him to to match up against them. And again, going back to what you said about Mahomes, I mean, third Super Bowl in four years, um, the most playoff wins before age twenty eight, third Super, you know, third trip to the Super Bowl. I mean, the youngest player ever to do that. I mean, it's just. He's he's a really good player. I know we we like to talk about other quarterbacks in the league and how they're trending up, and they are. I mean, you look at Burrow, you look at Herbert, um, you know, you look at other guys around the league that are are really getting after Josh Allen as well. Um, but I, I still think Mahomes is is that guy up at the top. You can't really move anybody in front of him because of his success in the playoffs, at least at a young age. So um, it's going to be fun to to watch this game, and I I really hope we get really I really hope we get a, a good one. I don't want to see a blowout for sure. Yes, please. Davis? Let's just get a competitive game. Uh, I'm with Jordan. I think the Eagles are going to get favored here uh, to start. But, again, I think this is going to be a great Super Bowl. I've seen on social media one person I was following saying, yeah, this is the first Super Bowl that I've ever been just disinterested in. I'm like, it's the two number one seeds (laughs) playing each other. How is this Super Bowl going to be the lowest viewed Super Bowl ever? This is going to be a great game. You have all the storylines set up. Number one versus number one, two of the best teams in the league. You've got a passionate fan base versus another passionate fan base. Yes. It doesn't get much better. This is what yeah. you want in the Super Bowl. No it doubt was- about that. And, you know, yeah. I look at it and I would say, you know, we're talking about who's favored here. What's interesting to me is, you know, we look back at that Eagles team that won it in 2018 and, and they were great on both lines of scrimmage. And it's very similar. They're great on both. I mean, they're talking about Nadama Kinsu playing defensive line for the Eagles, and, and, and Davis and I are, are sitting there, and we both whip our heads around. Did they just say Nadama Kinsu is this 2013? Like, I mean, he, I mean, Hassan Reddick was a force. They're really good up front. That that's going to be where this is going to be yeah. interesting for me because you look back at Patrick Mahomes in the Super Bowl two years ago, and it was a great pass rush that really shut him down from the Bucks in that Super Bowl. I mean, yes, Brady was good. Yes, they were fine. But you can't tell me Patrick Mahomes can't match 31 points if he's not running for his life. Yeah. You can't. So that's going to be interesting to see. Can that Chiefs offensive line hold up? And, mm-hmm. and can Kansas City stop the run? Because that's such an integral part to what Philadelphia does. Just pure fandom here. I want the, I would want the Eagles to win if we're just talking straight straight football. Um, but I don't know that I want to see A.J. Brown win one. That, that kind of ah. hurts a little bit. Um, but I do want to see Brett Kern win one, who's a punter for the Eagles that got signed off his couch here just a few weeks ago. It was a former Titans punter, so uh, who also hit the camera yesterday, if y'all saw that. So, um, I, I would like for Brett Kern to win one, but then you, you got the, the spin of Trey Smith, who's from, from Jackson, Tennessee, and playing for the starting for the offense on the offense line for the Chiefs, former Tennessee volunteer, um, a true ball for life. So, you, you almost want to pull for him too. So, but we've seen the Chiefs there so many times. It's really hard for me to to know who I want to pull for. Um, but I, I, I kind of I'm kind of leaning Trey Smith just from obviously him being from my hometown and, and knowing him. So that, I I would hope Trey could win one for sure. Davis. Well, I mean, obviously, me being a Chargers fan, I don't really want the Chiefs to win. <laughs> uh, I'd like to see the Eagles win it, but I mean, my pick early on, I'm going to go Kansas City. I wish there was some. I wish there was some way for the Eagles to trade AJ Brown before the Super Bowl, and then they could. And I'd be all right with them winning. 
I will say, here's the other incredible angle about this. You know, looking at Jalen Hurts for the Eagles, you know, everybody kind of questioned whether he could be an NFL quarterback. Everyone questioned him in college. Everybody's kind of questioned him his whole career, and he's made it work. And here, you know, here he is. You know, he is on the precipice of winning a Super Bowl. Davis, you have something to say. And I do remember this. I re- Jordan might not remember this, but I remember it. We were talking about the NFL draft on the bench one day, and Jordan said – that he thinks Jalen Hurts was going to be the best quarterback in wow. the draft class. I, I still that. remember it wow. to this day. I did say that, Davis. Good Jalen Hurts wow. in the Super Bowl. Tweeted, Jordan Taylor's a prophet. Jalen Hurts, MVP <laughs> candidate. Look at this. Wow. That is, that's crazy that you remember I definitely that. remember that, Davis. I definitely remember that. Thank <laughs> you. Thank <laughs> let's take a break we'll come back we'll wrap up the show with a quick edition of the stock market we'll get davis out of here because he's got to get to class more in a moment on the tri-state sports program presented by the hawks nest and jerry wood autoplex are you looking for a place to sit back relax and support your favorite sports teams it's the hawks nest bar and grill in martin on mondays three dollar well shots and one dollar ninety light cans also weekly cornhole tournaments with ten dollar blind draws sign ups at six and bags fly at seven titsy tuesdays trivia night two dollar well tequila shots two dollar natty cans two for one well shots and also $2 tacos. Wednesday, Wing Wednesday with 50 Cent Wings. Karaoke on Thursday and each and every weekend, live music. So be sure to stop by and support your favorite local bands at the Hawks Nest at 105 Church Street in Martin. Final segment of the show today on the Tri-State Sports Program presented by the Hawks Nest and Jerry Ward Autoplex. Got several different things in the NFL and NBA primarily today to talk about on the stock market. Buy if you agree, you sell if you disagree. So let's start in the NFL, which is predominantly in the headlines right now. Buy or sell, Davis, starting with you. Aaron Rodgers is a jet in 2023 following the line of Brett Favre. First time that I looked at it, I thought, "Mm, no way. But this would be a Jets thing to do, so I'll buy it. I'm going to go Aaron Rodgers to be a jet. Okay. Jordan. I'm going to sell it because, you know, Aaron Rodgers doesn't do things that make sense. They hired um, Hackett, which was obviously his offense coordinator in Green Bay. They're tied at the hip. And so it all makes sense for him to go to New York. Rodgers is not that way. So I'm going to sell it. I think it's Lamar Jackson that becomes the Jets starting quarterback. I'm going to buy because I'm with Davis. Uh, the Jets, it, this is peak Jets. They, they will move the farm for a <laughs> – I mean, a 30 or 39, 30, I mean, be, and look, I'm not saying yeah. it works. I don't think it would work. I mean, it might work for a year, but I mean, you're talking about the Jets here, man. Lamar is probably the smartest. That they're not having to pay a lot of money to yet. We got to keep that in mind. Though. That's true. And they've got some good weapons. They do. I mean, you've got Brees Hall, who will be back next year at running back. You've got Garrett Wilson. You've got Elijah Moore. You've got some good little weapons. And obviously, Robert Sala has a good defense put together. Um, it, it's all there. They just need a quarterback. And Salah said they're committed to finding a veteran. Well, uh, Aaron Rodgers is what you would call a veteran. It would be but, a Band-Aid for a year or two, though. That would be it. Yes. Yeah. Buy or sell Derek Carr to the Commanders in 2023. Davis. I'm selling it. He is typical Indianapolis Colts QB material. Derek oh, Carr, God. The next oh, Colts God. quarterback. Fantastic <laughs> point. Fantastic point. They tried that with Matt Ryan. I don't know that they would go down that road again. Um, but man, I've never thought about that till today. That you know what? Let's sell it too. Indy bound, Derek Carr. <laughs> <laughs> I'm 
I'm going to buy it because the only teams I would probably <laughs> – <I'm great. laughs> They're going to draft one, guys. Let's think about this. They're going to draft one for better Will or for Lewis. worse. Will no. Please, no. They're going to draft one at four. I mean, so you're not going to go – you're not going to trade for Derek Carr. I, it's the funniest thing ever, and I just pray I'm here on draft night. I pray. The funniest thing ever would be if the Colts traded up to one to just to draft Will Levis. I know. I would, I would have speak it into existence. That's what I would need. film John's reaction, and, and that would be that would maybe be my favorite reaction. It would probably be similar to some of your Twitter videos after charging. Oh, it'd be hysterical. Take, take oh my, my keys if that happens, Davis. <laughs> do, do not let me leave the house because it, it could get bad. It's especially if Jeff Saturday is the head coach already at that point. If Jeff Saturday is the head coach and we draft Will Levis, I I, I don't even want to. Take the ball down in two years. I, I don't even want to think about it. But I, honestly, on a different note, I just think Indy's going to draft a quarterback. So I don't, for better or for worse, they'll draft one. So to me, commanders make sense. The Saints make sense. Perhaps even the Texans make sense. I, I don't, you know, I don't think, but I th- I'll buy on, on the Commanders because they're in the same boat kind as Indy. They're on this perennial quarterback carousel. Uh, buy or sell. Lamar is back in Baltimore. Jordan, you kind of already hinted at this. Davis is Lamar in Baltimore in 2023. Buy or sell. Selling it. I don't know how this is going to work, but this is going to be my hot take for the show. I don't know how this is going to work, but Lamar Jackson – is going to be in the Music City with the Tennessee Titans. Whoa! That's what, that's what that's actually been part of the talk this week is how we can make it work to go get him. I, I don't think it happens because it would be – Oh, it's a long shot. It's it would be unlikely for, for for him to come in and make that big of a, a, a slam dunk, the new GM, that quick. Um, I don't know that I would mind it just based off where we're at uh, because Lamar Jackson and Derrick Henry in the backfield would be crazy. Um, but I don't think he's back in Baltimore. John, I've talked with you about this a lot. And the main reason I don't think he's back in Baltimore is because he's going to demand way too much money. And part the of that guaranteed money. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Deshaun Watson's it's Deshaun Watson's fault because he kind of set that bar. And now everybody thinks they got to jump it. So I, I don't think he's back in Baltimore because of the money he's going to demand. Yeah, I'm going to buy. He's back. He's not back in Baltimore. This would be my take as as we sit here because, and this is just because. You've got four teams who will be heavily interested in a quarterback. I think you'll end up in the NFC South. I don't know where, but you mean you've got Tampa that's probably going to look for somebody new because Brady will be gone. You're going to Carolina is probably going to be looking for someone unless they trade up in the draft. The Saints are certainly looking. You and, think Brady's uh, definitely leaving Tampa Bay? Is that what I hear? I do. I think he's gone. I don't know where he's going, but I don't think he's back in Tampa. I, I, I think I think he's done. So you've got four teams in that division that are all going to be quarterback hungry and, and have some pieces. I think Lamar ends up on an NFC South roster. I don't know with who, but uh, perhaps someone like Carolina, as a matter of fact, because Carolina is going to have some assets that they can move after trading McCaffrey, and they could trade their first round their first round pick, which is going to be in the top ten. Um, they'd have some some assets they can move to Baltimore to go get him. So. Uh, Certainly one to think about. Uh, final one for the NFL here. Stetson Bennett's arrest. What? Still pay. They still got to pay him, though. Oh, I know. I, that's Yeah, that's the other factor of this. Stetson Bennett's arrest will keep him from being drafted by herself. Uh, I'll sell it. I think that he'll be a late-round draft pick, very late-round, and then he'll end up getting cut. We'll probably never hear from Stetson Bennett ever again. <laughs> Jordan. Just being honest. <laughs> 
I, I, I'm gonna I'm gonna sell it. I think he gets drafted. Uh, I'm gonna take a little bit of a different approach to this, though. I think he would have been a late third round, early fourth round pick, and I know that's kind of crazy. But if you look at the draft class, quarterback draft class this year, you look at the teams that need it. You look at the teams that need backups that could, you know, looking to give somebody else an opportunity. There's a good chance Stetson was going to get drafted late third, early fourth round, just based off what I've seen. I think he falls to maybe the sixth or seventh round now because of this. I don't think that he doesn't not get drafted. And Davis, I think he might turn in uh, to to Johnson, the guy yesterday. I think he might just float around on roster. <laughs> Like how AJ McCarron has just because he won two because he won two nineties, they're gonna be like, hey man, we we'll, we'll keep him on a roster. So I don't think you 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 talked about not hearing from him. You probably won't hear much about him, and he'll somehow roll into an NFC Championship game uh, because somebody gets hurt. That's probably what's gonna happen in about twenty years. <laughs> I'm gonna buy. I'm or I'm gonna sell. I think he'll still get drafted, kind of like you guys. But I think this this really hurts him. Um, no, it definitely hurts. Because, so. you know, I think in a good – you know, some teams are probably thinking, well, you know, in a good system maybe, but now they're thinking, oh, character issues. Eh, do we really want to touch that? Um, yeah. He'll drop. Let's hit a couple of these NBA. Then we got to get Davis out of here so he can go, you know, to his work hour. We'd hate to get an angry phone call from uh, Dr. Rich. I would Robert. blame you all. That's what I, I'd say. I was out by 1045. They said 1045. <laughs> one, actually, let's just do one final one. Let's talk about Steve Kerr here. Steve Kerr's take that the NBA should go to a 72-game schedule. Buy or sell? Um, I'll go ahead and buy it, and then I'll also name the other one that we weren't going to do. I think it should start at Christmas, and mm. then you know wait till football season starts to die down a little bit, and then they start a 72-game season there. I think that'd be great. Jordan? Sell it. NBA soft. They need to play every night. They, I mean, they didn't have any problems with it. They didn't have any problems with it in the previous years. Over the last three or four years, we're talking about load management. This is BS. I mean, these guys are. Look at the kid the other night that went to the Miami game to see Jimmy Butler, and he doesn't even play because he's resting. I don't. I don't get behind it. I don't like it. I'm not a big NBA guy, anyway, as you can probably tell. Uh, but yeah, sell it. I, I think that they need to continue to play, and then the, the stars need to be on the floor. Cough, cough, LeBron. I will sell as well, but I'm also buying what Davis said. Move it to Christmas. You start the season later, more people will watch you because football will be on Christmas. Nobody. No, I'll watch it on Christmas. I'd probably watch some of it, yeah. Uh, Davis, thanks so much for joining us, man. We know you've got a busy day ahead of you, but thank you so much for coming on. Thanks for having me, guys. Always a great time. Davis Gregory, WTM's 90.3, the Hawks Sports Director. For myself, John Thornton, for Jordan Taylor, thank all of you for joining us today on the Tri-State Sports Program presented by the Hawks Nest and Jared Ward Autoplex. We'll be back next week. Good morning and God bless from the Tri-State Sports Program presented by the Hawks Nest and Jared Ward Autoplex.